0: Thank you, Andrew, and the band, as always, for leading us in worship. Uh, JR and Ava, it's cool to see you guys both up here. The Broncar family is doing something right. It's good. You guys clap at everything, huh? It's good. I like it. Um, uh, David Chow, David, who, who gave the call to worship, was gone for a few weeks, and so we're glad to have him back. He is, uh, he's doing the Missions World Tour and raising support to head over to the Philippines to do the Lord's work over there. And so we are so grateful but um, excited and also a little bit sad that they'll be, they'll be moving on from our ministry in um, a few months, really, uh, but really end of this year. So uh, we'll hear more about that. We'll hear more about the Chows and their, uh, their journey over to the Philippines. It's coming on up um, in a few months. But tonight, for now, uh, our task is the book of Philippians. Uh, we're going to start our study tonight, and as we begin our study, I always find it instructive. I always find it even necessary to uh, look at the why of what we study in Scripture. Uh, here at GOC and at our church, Grace Church, uh, we have a habit of being used to going through books of the Bible for long periods of time at a time, and maybe with your school schedule and coming and going, uh, sometimes you come in the middle of a book, and when you come back, we're in a different book, and then you leave again. And there's just a lot going on when we study two or three books at a time and the different services, the different sermons that we hear throughout the week. Uh, And so we have this in our ministry, this built-in flexibility you could call it or this maybe assumption that okay all scripture is inspired by God it's therefore profitable and if I just faithfully attend to the preaching of God's word and I take good notes and I stay awake we're gonna be okay it'll be three different sermons on the weekend and I'll just it's a fire hose but I'll I'll drink it all up it's gonna be great and I, I love this built-in sort of flexibility that we have. I I love this faithfulness. I I think this instinct is good and right. But I want to take the time tonight to strategically set our minds and our hearts on why I believe the book of Philippians will be so incredibly helpful to us this year. Uh, In this moment and particularly for this group, I think Philippians is the right book to study this year. And and I want to look at that Tonight, So we will spend the time uh, thinking through why study Philippians. Uh, Just like we've been looking at the why we do what we do, the the philosophy of ministry and our calls to worship, uh, why we gather and then today why we pray. We're going to start our study in Philippians tonight by answering that question, why study Philippians? Why study Philippians? Um, tonight, here's a little roadmap of where we're going. I want to give you briefly five reasons why I believe we need to study Philippians. Uh, and then we are going to read the book in its entirety to hear it all at once. Uh, and then, fittingly, I think we're going to spend the, the end of the night uh, in some time in prayer together uh, to really ask for the Lord to, to do his work through our study of this book this year and we'll do that in groups and we'll we'll get there but uh, just so you know what's coming uh, tonight let me pray again and ask God's blessing on our time as we look at his word father thank you for uh, your spirit's work in our lives through your written and inspired word we're thankful that we have your very word your revelation so father we ask your spirit would work in our uh, lives and in our hearts And help us to respond uh, obediently, to respond worshipfully uh, to your word, even tonight. And so we thank you uh, for this blessing in Christ's name. Amen. I want to give you five reasons why we need Philippians tonight. Five reasons why we need Philippians. The first of those five reasons is that We need to study Philippians because we need to rediscover the joy that transcends all. We need to rediscover the joy that transcends all. Philippians is the most joy-filled book in the Bible. Paul speaks of joy in this book. Sixteen times. And and so this joy is interwoven into the other themes in this book, uh, into the situations that we see Paul is facing. uh, And the people in this book reflect a joy, and it's a joy that we need. And just even for this one reason, the book of Philippians is exactly what we need. Uh, Philippians is the prescription for our ailment of joylessness. Uh, We've had this two-and-a-half-year excuse of a pandemic pandemic for our cynical, stiff hearts. Uh, But as that cloud sort of passes, we see, if we're honest, that we still lack joy. Uh, Whether for you it's an overt daily struggle to find joy in your life or maybe you're more the type that you find yourself fighting for joy at least when things don't go your way or maybe for you for now you sit on this cloud of happiness and because you got everything you need you got 19p and a girlfriend and a 14 pro you're good for now But I would contend that no matter where you are, what your makeup is, what you are built like, we need Philippians to show us true joy because we all lack in some measure, even if just not right now, in this very moment. All it takes is a bump in the road or a breakup or no butter for your bread, and what you thought was joy is now gone. And what do we do when, that, when those things happen? We pursue happiness in stuff, in accolades, in expensive dinners out, in positions, in changing our situation or our status in some way. Maybe your antidote's a little bit simpler. Maybe you just need some retail therapy or food again. Or some alone time on campus somewhere at night, or Netflix. Whatever it is that is in Advil for you, for whatever the latest ache or pain is in your life, you pursue that instead of the true and lasting joy that we see in the book of Philippians. It's so obvious, if we're honest with ourselves, that we need to discover true and lasting joy. We need a joy far beyond the things of this world. We we need a joy fixed on heavenly realities. And so, Philippians will help us with that. Philippians will both expose our lack of joy, and it will also help us to see that there is a joy that transcends, that is far above, that is far greater, all things, all things situations, all other supposed lowercase joys. See, the thing is, if you're a Christian, you've actually already discovered this joy. This joy begins as the joy of your salvation. It's a joy that affords you security and satisfaction in Christ And so whether it's discovering or rediscovering this joy, the joy we find in the book of Philippians is a transcendent joy, a joy that outshines and exceeds everything and at all times, whether the darkest of times in your life or the best of times in your life, if you have 19p. Consider chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, he says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. He's saying, I'm in prison, and if I die here, I can die happy. I am glad and rejoice with you all. This transcendent joy is also a joy that is contagious, joy that Paul shows us is what unites followers of Jesus. In chapter 1, Paul says this, As I remember you, I pray for you with joy. That's a passage we'll see next week. In chapter 2, Paul says, Receive this brother, receive Epaphroditus, with all joy. This transcendent joy is also a joy that desires gospel progress above personal progress. Paul says in Chapter 1, verse 18, whether in pretense or in truth, if Christ is proclaimed in in that, I rejoice. Philippians will show us that Paul, in his example, because of who he knows and what he has and what he is sure of, Paul has a joy that cannot be suppressed. A joy that is transcendent. And Philippians will show us what it says in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians will teach us transcendent joy. Uh, The second reason why we need to study Philippians is, we need to study Philippians because we need to grow in Christ-like humility. Humility. We need to grow in Christ-like humility. There are a few great themes interwoven in this book, and right next to joy is this great theme of humility. I want you to listen to perhaps what is the heart of this great book as Paul gives us instruction on humility in uh, chapter 2. Look at verse 3. being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. This is part of what we know as the great so-called Christ hymn. Christ hymn, like a song in chapter 2. And In this Christ hymn, and also though throughout this Epistle, we see both the example of Christ's humility and the enablement or the empowerment of that humility for the Christian in the work of Jesus on the cross. And Paul himself, throughout this book, pictures this humility throughout these four chapters. And that will be, that example, I believe, will be this year of much benefit to us who struggle with our pride. And so we're going to spend ample time this year wrestling with the theme of humility, examining our hearts together and trying to weed out our pride that is so deep-seated within our hearts. Grace on campus, my prayer is that Philippians will set a trajectory for you, that will set a foundation for you for the rest of your life in how to fight your pride. And so I pray that this study will have a lasting impact on your life in this watershed area of the Christian life. And so I am, as it was this week, cautiously expectant, cautiously Anticipating how God might grow each of us this year in this area, in our humility before uh, Him, and in our humility before one another. The theme of humility. We'll see too, though, uh, that we will need to go further than just to cultivate humility. You see, in Philippians. Uh, It goes further as well, and so we need to go further. You see, Philippians shows us the incredible importance of confidence. You see, you have humility, a Christian's right assessment of themselves before God and before fellow creature, but you have confidence in Philippians as it relates to humility. This sort of unexpected, almost ironic Ally to humility that confidence is. This is confidence in the right things. This is confidence in the truth that informs and defines humility. Uh, consider a verse that we'll get to in two weeks. Chapter 1, verse 6. It says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus christ paul is sure of that in in chapter three paul says this if anyone thinks if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh i have more and yet paul says i I could have this confidence yet i forsake it for the surpassing value of knowing christ Uh, paul was saying jesus he is my only confidence paul speaks of his confident hope In Christ at the end of chapter three and he says this we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body a sure and steadfast hope that Paul has that we want to have too Paul expresses his confidence in the Lord all throughout this book and he wraps it up in chapter 4 verse 9 his confidence in the God of peace and 419 the God of provision and he says there and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus really the truth we just sang in that last song and so we'll see over and over again that Paul's Confidence in God and confidence in the person and the work of Christ and confidence in the future coming of Christ is what often fuels Paul's humility. And so we'll see the importance of true humility and pursue it together. There's a third reason I believe we need to study Philippians, and it's this. We need to learn how to pursue gospel unity. We need to learn how to pursue gospel unity. We need Philippians because we're not good at the unity thing. We need Philippians because we're not good at living in peace with one another. We need Philippians because we're not good at loving one another with Brotherly affection, as Romans says, or we're not good at outdoing one another in showing honor. We're not good at welcoming one another in as God has welcomed us, Romans 14. And so we need Philippians because whether it's a dirty dish or a character flaw or the way we say things or the way that we don't do enough in the other person's eyes, our hearts are divided between the love God has called us to for one another and the reality that we have differences. And so we need to learn how to pursue gospel unity, and Philippians will help us do that. You see, we impale ourselves on molehills and then spend so much time walking miles around mountains. We take issues over teeny tiny things. And for pride's sake, we forgo the main issue, and that's our hearts. Philippians will show us what it means to pursue gospel unity, a unity that is rooted first and foremost in the gospel and for the gospel's furtherance. It's a unity that at the core is about the actual priorities in God's kingdom. You see, Philippians will show us that When the center of your paradigm of thinking is you, issues that jeopardize unity will be about your preferences and about your opinions. But when the center of your paradigm of thinking and the way that you live life is about God and his truth and that other people would know and love his truth as well, Issues that jeopardize unity will no longer be about you and your opinions and your preferences, but they'll be about gospel progress and growth in godliness for God's people in His church. And so it's not a matter of if, but when. When for God's people an issue or a situation or a disagreement comes up, and unity is at stake. And Philippians will show us how to, in those moments, pursue gospel unity but this isn't just giving up all preferences this isn't just not caring about things through several different vignettes philippians will show us uh, and paul will take us to school really on pursuing unity for the sake of god's kingdom and not our own kingdoms we'll see it a few different ways so he'll help us see paul will that taking ourselves less seriously and the gospel more seriously will help us discern with clarity, yet humbly, which hills to actually die on. You see, Paul in one scene will show us what it looks like to preserve gospel camaraderie. Uh, That camaraderie that he describes in chapter 1 that is sweet and supportive and spirit-driven. And so we'll see how to preserve that sort of gospel unity. And then in another scene, we'll see what it looks like to arbitrate when followers of Jesus can't agree. And then in yet another scene, Paul will show us what it looks like to deal with personal attacks on even his own character and then to simply rejoice that the gospel is being preached. And then in another scene, we'll see what it looks like to defend the gospel against Those Paul calls the dogs, uh, the evildoers. In Philippians, there is a surprising charity, a patience and a humility demonstrated in a pursuit of gospel unity. And if I'm honest, I think we have so much to learn from uh, the book of Philippians and from Paul's example Because we'll meet dear friends on one line of this book, and in the next we'll find haters. And yet we'll see Paul's heart for Christian unity shine through as he sort of shifts gears here and there to pursue and to preserve and even sometimes fight for this kind of unity. And we'll see it's a unity worth fighting for. There's a fourth reason why we need to study Philippians that I'm compelled to and It's this, we need to recognize evidences of God's goodness and express our gratitude more freely. We need to recognize evidences of God's goodness and express our gratitude more freely. All throughout this book, in Philippians, Paul is constantly thanking God. He thanks God for what he has done. He thanks God for things that others have done. He thanks others for what they've done for him. And he thanks others for what they've done for others. Paul, in his humble, unity-pursuing, joyful heart, sees 10,000 reasons to say thanks be to God. And then also thank you for how you treated him, and uh, thank you for your support when I needed it most, Paul's saying throughout this book. Uh, Thank God for all that he has done in you and through you, and I'm sure that there is more to come. It's Paul's voice in this book. And so this letter begins, and we'll see this in our passage even next week, with Paul's thanksgiving to God, and it ends with Paul's thank you to these dear saints for their support. And everywhere in between, there is an evident generosity and gratitude for that generosity. And then a generosity in return of praise and encouragement and thanks in return. And all of that is understood by Paul as what he says in verse, chapter 4, verse 18. It's a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. If that's recognizable language, it's what Romans 12 calls spiritual worship. You see, we are too often ungrateful for all that God has done for us and all that God has provided for us. We live in the land of plenty here. How often do we look to God and say thank you Praise be to you for what you have done. Thank you, God. We too many times see our lives as the work of our own hands. As if salvation by grace alone were alone the thing that God has done for us. But He has done so much more if that first thing weren't enough. Philippians will remind us and refresh us helping us to have thankful hearts, reviving our hearts to to thank God more continually. It'll show us the evidence of and the path to this joy and this humility and this unity. It's lined with gratitude. It's lined with thankfulness. Finally, reason number five that we need to study Philippians, is this. We need Philippians because we need to treasure Christ more deeply. We need to treasure Christ more deeply. What's your most prized possession? What is the thing on this earth that you could not do without? Maybe what is something that you do not yet have that you would like to have someday? The sort of, I would kill for that thing. Maybe it's actually a thing that's worth a little bit of money. But maybe it's a career or a Ph.D. or or it's a family. There are things and there are people that we value far too highly as it compares to our Lord Jesus Christ. Who or what we value drives our emotions, our affections, our desires, and therefore our actions and our worship. Who or what we treasure most is who or what we worship. And so your honest answer to these questions of what is valuable to you in your heart of hearts, and yes, that answer that you thought of and then sort of suppressed because you know you would get in trouble by thinking about that thing for too long because you'd have to give it up. That thing or those things or that person is right now or maybe just from time to time, if we're cutting some slack, uh, that thing is competing for first place in your affections with Jesus, if you're honest. Uh, These are the things and the dreams and the goals that you've got in your heart over here, separate. Just kind of to the side. These are the untouchable things, the sort of holy grails. You see, when God has said, make your entire life this kind of set apart from the world, worship to me, be this living sacrifice, you and I, we've taken one or a few parts of that and we've said, that part of life though, or that dream, or that goal, or that thing, that, that, that really doesn't have to be so set apart, does it? And because no one else is my major, or at least finishing my major as fast as I am, no one understands that there's a reason why it is the way it is. Well, that one thing, or that one relationship, or that one concept, is what you are allowing to compete with Jesus Christ for your worship. And if there was a godly version of this, if there was a version of this where someone could call it a stewardship and get away with it, it was the Apostle Paul. Listen to him in chapter 3. And he takes all his credentials and he says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You see, Philippians shows us that the heart of the Christian values Jesus Christ above all. It's a heart that sees no division between physical things and spiritual things. No difference between your idols that you label stewardship and the actual stewardship you have as someone who knows Jesus Christ savingly. Christians treasure Jesus above all else. No competing affections, no close competitions. Jesus Christ must be above all things. Jesus Christ must be, as you live, priority in all things. And Philippians famously paints this picture of this already but not yet reality, that Christ is Exalted above all things. Listen to chapter 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so grace on campus. May God use Philippians to help us that in our hearts Christ would be over all and in all, and that everything in our lives would be fair game to be submitted to Him now that we might be found faithful on that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to pray and ask the Lord's help and ask the Spirit's work as we read the book of Philippians in its entirety in the next few minutes. It takes about 15, so you know. So you can pace yourself. Um, but I want to ask the Lord's help in this because as David was talking about prayer, I was reminded of the dependence that we have on the Lord just once again and thinking through how even as we devote ourselves to the reading of the Scriptures publicly and to prayer as God would command of us in His Word that even as we simply read, His Word makes itself clear in our hearts and in our minds, and the Spirit works in mighty ways. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this group, and thank you for this great book that we get to study this year. It is one small part of your inspired Word, but it has huge uh, potential impact on our lives this year. So, Lord, we ask as we lay our hearts bare before your word and your spirit's work that you would work mightily. Help us to even learn some things tonight as we uh, see what you would have to say uh, in this epistle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you haven't turned in your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians, beginning, at the very beginning in chapter 1, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Whether by life or by death, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no troubled me, and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look, for the, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more Firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, through Him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Us reads the word of God. GOC. May God bless our study of this great epistle this year, helping us to learn and grow and pursue transcendent joy, true humility, gospel unity, abundant gratitude, and all of these things because we treasure Christ above all else. May God, by his very word, work in our hearts, in our minds, in, in our lives to his glory